0: of celebration. And, uh, and I really wanted to zero in on today this idea of um, how we have to, we're called to eat together and what the Bible says on the, 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 the theology of eating together and actually how much the Bible has to say about this. So I just wanted to do a quick jet tour, in a sense, just to look at some scriptures to help um, lead us into this time. I know some of you might not be doing the look who's coming for lunch, but also we actually are opening up homes, and we'd love you even to be happy to change your plans. We will have s- some homes available we come along. We really would love to, just as a way to, to, to do that together. Um, and so I want to start, you know, I want to start with this and saying that one of the highest forms in biblical times of opening up your life to someone, um, opening up your life to someone, was by opening up your home and by eating together. In the ancient world, eating together was a very powerful thing. And um, interestingly enough, um, I want to start by reading a scripture in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19 to 20. And then I just want to look at the practice of eating and feasting together in the Bible and just how it applies for us. In Revelation 3, 19 to 20, and we know the scripture. And it's, again, I'm going to come with a fresh lens on some scriptures this morning where Jesus here is writing to the church in, I think it's Laodicea, Ly- and he's, um, he's actually, you know, warning them, and he's correcting them, and he says, to those whom I love, and he's giving here a, uh, you know, he's inviting them, and he's reaching out to them, and he says to them, those whom I love are approved and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And then the very famous scripture that we've probably all heard before, it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And by the way, he's not speaking about the door of our lives or the door of your heart. He does that as well. But here, Jesus is standing at the door of the church, of this local congregation. And he's saying, I'm standing outside the door because you haven't let me in and I'm knocking. Would you you let me into the church? That's effectively what it's saying. And he says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, and I love this, and eat with him and he with me. He's saying, I actually want to eat with you. What is it saying? He's saying, I actually want to share life with you, but you shut me out. And he uses the metaphor for eating together, saying, come, I want to eat with you. Isn't that beautiful? In some ways, you know, even us knowing the Lord, it's like we eat with him and we drink with him. But actually, we do that with one another in a a very practical way. You know, I'll just quickly share a story. Then I'll I'll just look at some Old Testament scriptures and a couple in the new where um, we did a Look Who's Coming for Dinner Uh, Years ago, we've done it in Wellington quite a bit, but when we were leading uh, the congregation in Edgemead, we did a Look Who's Coming for Dinner. And uh, the church at that point wasn't, uh, it was quite clicky, um, if I'm honest, and it was people didn't really open up their lives and their homes to one another. They they did church and meetings, and so we decided to kind of shake it up by by doing this Look Who's Coming for Dinner, where again, it was kind of blind date, so to speak. You you don't know whose home you're going to. And most of the church, we, we really ran it well. We tried to prepare it well for the church. And the evening came where we did the look who's coming for dinner. And we, Eddie uh, and I and our kids, we opened up our home because we wanted to have people in our home. And we had been doing it at that point, but we didn't know who would arrive. And I think we had three people that evening arrive. But the one person who arrived, she was quite new. She'd been part of the church for a couple of months. We didn't really know. It was a very big congregation, and uh, anyway, she rang the doorbell. And um, as I opened the door, she didn't know whose home it was. And I opened the door, she saw me as you know the pastor, and she went. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> she said, oh, 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 "I'm at the pastor's house," she said. You know, like, and, and she was all like flustered as a result. Like, I can't believe I'm at the pastor's house. You know, like oh. <laughs> and uh, we welcomed her in. And just broke down some wrong ideas and, and pre, you know, these preconceived ideas of actually what church is. And we're not a hierarchy, you know, we don't, you haven't come to the boss's house. You know, Jesus is the boss. Uh, you know, you come and, and we actually got to know her and she got to know us. And she left like, wow, you know, this is, this is family. And, uh, you know, so you might end up at someone's home, uh, you know, maybe you'll go, oh, I'm at Morris's house, you know. Like, why did they put me there, you know? And I've got to be on my best behavior or whatever, you know? It's like, that's, that's not how it works. Um, and we actually share our lives with one another as we do so. So, you know, in the Old Testament, it's quite interesting that um, the Old Testament uh, life of Israel was built around festivals or feasts, actually. And if you were a Jew under the Old Covenant, um, worshiping Yahweh, You were actually, as a Jew, three times a year, uh, the, the, the yearly calendar for a Jew was built around feasting and eating together. Um... And it was built around festivals. And in national Israel, there were three main festivals or feasts where all the Jews would gather together three times a year and they would go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was where the temple was and they would worship together at the temple and they would feast. And you had these three feasts. You had Passover, was the one national festival, where they would eat together and they would celebrate the fact that God saved them out of Egypt. Then they celebrated, um, months later, the festival of Pentecost, or weeks, where they would celebrate the harvest coming in. And the third festival was the festival of tabernacles, where they would celebrate the 40 years in the wilderness, and how God sustained them when they went round and round and round, and how God looked after them. And there were lots of other festivals and feasts, but Israel was built around feasting together. Now, you might say, but Mike, what about fasting? Did they fast together? And actually, they, they did fast together. They fasted together, for example, on the Day of Atonement, when the blood of the Lamb was, 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 uh, came by the high priest and was sp- spilled for all the people. Um, they would fast together, but mostly they would actually eat together and feast together, and that's the way that they would remember what God did when they did so. So, that was important. Now, As we go to the New Testament, I told you I'm doing a quick overview. Uh, As we go to the New Testament, one thing that's interesting with Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is that Jesus, when we see Jesus, and as we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus is a good Jew, was often described as someone eating and drinking with people. You know, Jesus wasn't this austere, ascetic, you know, like person that never ate, you know, and if you follow me... You know, he was like full of joy where he actually ate, so much so that in Luke chapter seven, it was actually accused of him, and let's read it together, Luke 7, 34, where the Pharisees accused him, they said, the son of man has come doing what? Eating and drinking, not just healing, there was that as well, and preaching, but eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collector's, and sinners. Now, of course, he wasn't a drunk, but he was accused of that because he was a good Jew, and he loved feasting. He loved festivals. He understood the way that you, you get to know someone was through eating and drinking together. In fact, the Gospel of Luke, by the way, you know, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Gospel of Luke is called the Gospel of Hospitality. That's actually the nickname for the Gospel of Luke, because ten times in the Gospel of Luke, it describes Jesus eating and drinking. And five of those ten stories have got to do um, with—that are only found, actually, in the Gospel of Luke. They're found nowhere else. And it's quite unique, because when it describes Jesus eating meals, the emphasis in the Gospel of Luke is not so much the fact that Jesus ate— Because you know, by the way, some of you might have a misconception about even us serving the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. Because some know that He's God and we worship Him as God, but obviously Jesus was also incarnated as a man. He was fully a human being. He ate and drank. He he went to the toilet. He grew up. He had to obey his parents. He had to work hard. He sweated. He got disappointed. Um, He had to learn how to become a friend, how to be a brother. Uh, he he had to he lived like we did he you know he lived with people he had friends in fact the Bible says that you know he had these twelve disciples but three of them were his best friends uh, James John and and uh, James uh, James John and Peter were the three closest to him and his closest friend from the Gospel of John was John it's called John the Beloved where he says the one in whom Jesus loved and Jesus had these relationships. Um, in, 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 and he ate together with others. Interesting. So what Luke does is Luke never just focuses on the fact that Jesus ate with people, but he focuses on the fact that he eats never alone, but he's eating with certain kinds of people. That's always the emphasis. And we see that in Luke that Jesus eats with all kinds of different people. He doesn't just eat with the disciples. He eats with the Pharisees. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. Today that's like saying "eating with lawyers." and second-hand car salesmen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, Jesus is eating with all kinds of people, right? And of course, lastly, that he eats with his friends. We find him eating with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And one home that he loved to go to was in Bethany, that often in the Gospels it describes him going to his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, where they would hang out there because it was a home he loved to go to, where he was welcomed into their home. And so we find him. We find him even eating with the disciples after the resurrection. And I love the scripture in Acts 10, 40 to 41 and things that I, I personally haven't always, I've missed these type of scriptures. Acts 4, 10, 40 to 41, it says this. But God raised him, Jesus, on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us whom had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. It emphasized that. Like, you know, yeah, he rose from the, and we even ate and drank with him. In fact, you know that beautiful story in in the end of John where Peter denies Jesus three times, and he had been broken and disillusioned, and then after the resurrection, Jesus, uh, Peter's fishing. He's like, I'm done with this this God thing. I'm going to go fishing. Goes back to his old pastime, goes fishing, and while he's fishing with his friends, the resurrected Jesus is on the beach, and he's making a fish braai. You know the story? And then he says, Come, he calls them, and Peter recognizes it's Jesus, and he dies off the boat, swims to the shore, and Jesus restores him over fish fry. That's in the Bible. And just as he denied him three times, Jesus restores him by saying three times to him, Peter, do you love me? Three times, feed my sheep, look after me. What does he do? He's doing it over a meal. And I love this with Peter, he says, But we even ate and drank with him. Can you imagine? He must have thought of that story of like, oh, I was restored back into right relationship with God at that moment when I ate and drank with him. In fact, you know, Jesus being such a good Jew is that his first miracle, what was it? Was it healing a man blind? Was it walking on water? Turning the water into wine. He was at a feast, he was at a wedding. And what does he do? You have this picture of this joyous Jesus, this Jesus who loves people, who loves being in homes, who loves connecting with you over a meal, who loves the sinners and those that are unlovable. And he says, come, I want to bring you into my life. And you know, he calls us to do the same. In fact, um, I won't turn there, but Jesus um, actually left us with two sacraments or ways to remember the gospel. That's what a sacrament is. It's a means of grace. You know what they are? There's two practices that in the church, throughout church history, we call to practice two things. The one is water baptism, that every time someone comes to Jesus, you get water baptized. So he's given you a swim. And the second thing he's given us is he's given us a meal. Where he says to us, go and remember my my death and resurrection, not only by baptism, but by communion. And in the New Testament, it was always with a meal. They ate together as part of their communion. uh, they, They would have communion and break bread at the end of their meal. And he says, I want you to eat together, and when you do so, I want you to remember me. And so in the early church, and I'm going to land now, but in the early church, uh, we won't turn there, but in Acts 2, it mentions how one of the marks of the early church was how they gathered together in Solomon's colonnade, I don't know, Ryan mentioned it last night, but also they gathered together in homes, and it says that they they shared uh, their meals together and they broke bread together, it says, with glad and generous hearts. Imagine the joy, you know? And I think our homes should be a place with joy and laughter, and that's the attractive quality of the kingdom of God. It is come and die together, but a lot of it's just come and, you know, come and, come and eat together. Um, and let's close with this, the book of Revelation, nineteen six to 9 and with this scripture. And, and so we know that it's all culminating one day when Jesus returns, when he comes back again, I love this in in verse 6 to 9 of Revelation 19. Then what I heard, what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And you know, the Bible ends with a meal just as your Christian life starts with a swim and a meal and remember the gospel, but it ends with a meal. What is it? What kind of meal? It's called the marriage supper of the lamb, where God will invite you. By the way, you have to be invited. Not anyone can come. It actually says here very clearly that we must be invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And it's this meal that we will share with God when he returns to culminate and you know, bring heaven and earth together and make everything right. Take away all sin and sickness and disease and injustice. On that day, it's going to culminate with a big meal, probably lots of meat, lots of bultong, lots of, I'm sure, lots of vegetables. There will be wine. There will be fruit. There will be probably the best cook sisters you've ever had in your life. I mean, this is the Lord God, the creator of the heavens and the earth that has made it all. He will be hosting the meal. Yeah, and it will be a meal where we will get married, uh, where, where the marriage of the Lamb will culminate. It will be us, as, you know, with Jesus on that day. The, us as the bride, making herself ready to know Him and love Him and to be with Him for all eternity, seeing Him face to face. How will it be? It will be a meal, my friends. And, and just I want to encourage us, you know, that, that while we look forward to that day, every meal that we have now, in one sense, we, we do so knowing that there's a greater meal to come. And we, we prepare ourselves for that meal. And that's what actually breaking of bread is. When we break bread, Jesus says in, um, uh, and Paul quotes actually in 1 Corinthians 10, and in the Gospels it says that you eat and drink, basically preparing yourself for him to return. You look forward for that day for that marriage supper, that meal, when we're going to actually drink wine on that day. If you don't drink wine now, on that day, you will be, Jesus says, the fruit of the vine. You'll be drinking of the fruit of the vine. What is that? That's wine, okay? And not grape juice, all right? Maybe it will be. <laughs> but on that day, none of us will have a problem. Somehow it will be redeemed, okay? And uh, I know we live in the Western Cape. I realized that when we came down from the Eastern Cape. The Western Cape is, you know, me kachel, me me berg, and me vein, you know. Uh, That's that's their kind of, that's the, and I realize like a lot of Christians around, anyway, I'm getting totally sidetracked. Drink wine. (laughs) Go according to your conscience, but we know that um, God is a God that gives us these things. All right. And in closing, I want to say this, that, that, you know, there's a biblical uh, picture of, of eating together. And as we go um, and we eat together in our homes, it's centered. What brings us together, what makes us bonded together is the fact that we are centered around in our common interest is not, you know, being living here or having some sport or having some hobby in interest or having some musical tastes. It's Jesus. And so I can connect with you because you know Jesus and I know Jesus and we, we, we're brothers and sisters in the faith. And we're able to, uh, you know, to kind of, we we, we already, we're one new man in Christ, we're ready. And so you probably will go into the home of someone you don't know, but you know them in Christ. You're able to talk and you witness like, ah, oh, I know you because you know the Lord. I know the Lord. We're brothers and sisters. We've got so much in common. And so I want to say like, let's make sure that we we um, use it as an opportunity to glorify God and just to enjoy one another, um, get to know one another's stories, ask, I want to encourage you, ask questions like, tell me your story, like, tell me a little bit about you, uh, where do you come from, how did you get saved, you know, how have you known the Lord? And uh, as you do that, our lives, we sharpen one another and get enriched in Him. So that's it, that's what I wanted to share with you this morning Um, we practice our Christianity not just on a Sunday but around the dining room table. Um, It's an important part of discipleship uh, in that. And so I want to pray for us as we close. Can I do that? And I would like to, as I do so, want to just say this this to us this morning um, as, as we pray. I want to say this firstly, that with the marriage feast of the Lamb coming, the Bible says you must be invited. Jesus says you must be invited And there are some, even here this this morning, that maybe you do not know yet, if you, with surety in your heart, if you will be there on that day, if you would be invited around the king's table, because you do not know the king. You do not know his son. Um, You know, I love that story from, I think it was about the young guy on Friday night. He kind of, he had read the Bible, and he'd been in a Christian home, but we don't get, we don't, we're not born as Christians, Right? God doesn't have grandchildren. God has children. It means I have to come to Him, and I've got to ask Him to make me born again, to to give me a new heart, to turn away from my sin and turn to the Savior. And if you're here today and and you know that you're not right with God, um, you do not have fine linen, you're not made right with Him, you will not be invited to with on that day. There will be some in regret but God gives us an invitation this morning saying, put your trust in Jesus Christ, make him your Lord and Savior. And uh, let's close eyes and pray, and I'd like to pray for, if there are any this morning that haven't done that. Is there anyone this morning, would you raise your hand that if, if, you, would, if you would like us to pray for you, and you know that you are not right with God this morning, you know, you've seen all the celebrating and the dancing, but... But you know that you've maybe backslidden from him. You haven't given your life to the Lord. Is there anyone like that that would like to respond? Will you are. Oh, just say, Mike, that's me. I, I want. I want to. I want to pray and ask God to come into. You. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Can I just ask some of our our leaders just to gather around? Just those two gentlemen. Maybe you could just keep your hand up there, sir. That have just raised their hands. And um, yeah. We're going to pray together. Let's pray. Is anyone else this morning? that, you know, Father, we want to thank you for these two men who have responded to you this morning. Uh, they're not responding to me. They're responding to the living God who has made them. And Lord, right now, even as you're praying there, I want you in your heart to say, Lord, um, I, this morning, want to turn away from my sin. I want to turn away from my old life. That you pray that right now in your heart. Say, Lord, I turn away. And this morning I want to turn to you and I want to put my trust in you right now. I want to say, Lord, I I give my life to you. Um, I surrender to you, Lord. I don't want to live for myself. I I ask you to take out my heart of stone and you would come and give me a heart of flesh. Give me a soft heart. Forgive my sins this morning, Lord. And Lord, we pray for these two gentlemen, Lord, that um, no matter where where they are, Lord God, right now, that you would meet them where they are. Lord, 2,000 years ago, you came down, you left heaven on a search and rescue mission to save us. And we pray that what you did on that cross 2,000 years ago by the Holy Spirit would right now be made real in their lives, and that they would believe, it wouldn't be, but they would say, I believe, Lord, that you have died for me, and I give myself to you today. In the name of Jesus, we do a miracle of, of the new birth in their lives. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.